Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest, my wife, Chami. Chami, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. So, today we want to talk about cultures,、uh, different cultural experiences, and kind of compare and contrast cultures. So, Chami, you have lived in six different countries. That's right. Which is exactly how many countries I've lived in, which、right. is why we fit so well together. Yeah.、Uh, can you share with the listeners just the chronology of where you've lived and how long? Sure. So I was born in Japan in Nagano, and then my family moved to Taiwan when I was a little girl, and then we're there for three years. After that, we were back in Japan for about four years. And then we moved to Papua New Guinea, which is an island north of Australia. And we lived there for four years. After that, we came back to Japan. And I was here, let's see, about five years. And then <laughs> I moved to the US for a year to finish my high school. And went to university on the outskirts of Vancouver, Canada. And that was for four years? That was for four years, yeah. Four years in university. And then I came back to Japan and taught in a high school for two years. And then decided to work for an NGO in Cambodia. So did that for three years, lived in Phnom Penh. And、then I moved back to Japan、um, about eight years ago, and I've been here since. So, looking back on your life, Chami, which cultures have influenced you the most and how? Right. So, definitely Japanese culture、um, has influenced me the most out of the three I'm going to talk about.、Um, it's also my Parents' culture and my home culture.、Um, I'll first say which three those are. The second one would be the North American culture. So that includes both Canada and the US, and also having worked with a lot of Western people in different areas.、Um, and then the third would be the Cambodian culture, where、um, I lived for three years and was immersed in the local culture for three years as an adult. So that influenced me significantly. Okay, so Japan, North America, and Cambodia. So, how have they influenced you?、Mm -hmm. So, Japan is a culture influence that I have struggled with the most, but have now come to. Terms with and am at peace with. And what I love about the Japanese culture is a sense of nuance or beauty that I experience here 
there is appreciation for subtleties um, and culture and there's a an ease of being once you understand how things work but I've also struggled with it because I didn't really know what that was as an outsider because when I was 12 and we moved back from Papua New Guinea I didn't know the rules and what was um, expected of me and that was during junior high right yeah that was during junior high and that was very difficult for me so you had some difficulty blending in right and also feeling like if I wanted to be who I really was then I would stick out and people wouldn't accept me and I still feel like that is something that Japan needs to wrestle with as we welcome people from different cultures. And now I am at peace with it because I realize that, yes, I can appreciate the Japanese culture and I am happy to be Japanese, but I am not fully, fully Japanese because I am influenced by the other two cultures I'm going to talk about and I have different parts of me that don't fully belong here and I'm okay with it. So when you came back to Japan, how did you overcome that transition and become integrated again? So the initial transition was not necessarily a healthy one. I think what I did was to to tell myself that who I was was not good enough or not acceptable, so I had to be like everyone else. And also has to do with the fact that I was 12, 13, and a lot of kids struggle with this sense of identity and acceptance wherever they are. So that was my first integration. But the second integration, which was a healthier one, happened when the tsunami happened. And I moved back from Cambodia and relocated to Miyagi to help start a social enterprise, helping people who were affected by the tsunami. And there I felt this sense of purpose and connection with people who saw me as offering who I was that was diverse, not just Japanese, but had connection to different cultures and different experiences from perhaps the people there. And I was eager to learn and to get to know the local people as well. So I think that Um, desire to understand and to get to know and to build community gave me a sense of belonging that made me feel okay to be who I was, unlike my junior high school days. And in Onagawa, in Miyagi, where you were working, and Ishinomaki, there were a lot of outsiders who came to help after the tsunami, right? So people were open to outsiders helping and appreciative and it was kind of like oh everyone's working hard together to rebuild and reunite right i think that culture really helped me feel at ease and was a a a good way for me to integrate back into my japanese phase of life but at the same time onagawa for example was like countryside small town fishing village So that's different from Nagano, where you grew up and spent time before, and it's also different from Yokohama now. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nagano, where I was, 
I mean, Nagano City is a, a lot bigger of a city, obviously, compared to Onagawa, but it did have、um, the inaka tendency that happens where there's, you know, everyone knows everyone for better or for worse. And because my father was from there and my, all my relatives, my grandparents, like everyone knew everything about. Us and that felt stifling at times. In Onagawa, because I wasn't born and raised there and I came in as an outsider, it actually gave me a sense of freedom to be an outsider and to be different. That was okay. And I'm sure there are people from there that struggle feeling like it's a small society or feeling like they don't fit in. So obviously, I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone who's lived there. But also, what was unique about Onagawa was after the tsunami, there are a lot of people who were reprioritizing their lifestyle and thinking about what's important and how they want to redevelop the city, their town. So, there are a lot of new ideas and new initiatives. And I think that openness allowed it to feel more open and welcoming than Nagano. Yeah, when I. Came to Japan and moved to Onagawa to marry you. <laughs>、um, that was my introduction to Japan, so、uh, for the most part. But what I thought was very interesting is yeah, just what you said. There were survivors who lived there, very local people, but also outsiders, and there was this synergy and kind of creativity of redeveloping. And, you know, I think. It's interesting how, when there's a disaster, when there's an emergency, people can change more easily. People can experiment more easily.、Mm -hmm. And I think that change is what allowed me to be open to Japan because I realized that I don't need to hold on to this narrative of having experienced difficult times in Japan. That I can change and people are changing, and I can find a new sense of belonging here. So, then what was your transition like to Yokohama as far as culture? The, the difference between Onagawa, Ishinomaki, and Yokohama? Yokohama is very different, obviously,、um, and you and I have talked about this too, but. The fact that we chose a big city and we chose an area of Yokohama that is quite diverse helps me to find people who are maybe a little more like us. And that's helped me to realize that all of who I am is, is not Japanese. And I teach yoga to a lot of English speakers. So some of them are from. Um, different countries, and some of them are Japanese that have lived in different countries. And there is a sense of ease and carefreeness that comes alive in me. And I didn't encounter a lot of that when I lived in Onagawa. So that is a nice thing about living in an internationally diverse, internationally diverse area in this city. Okay. So. What comes alive in you when you're in Cambodia? So, Cambodia,、um, I still remember this moment. One day I was riding, no, I was pushing my bicycle in the middle of this huge traffic. And if you can imagine with me, it's a really hot day and the air is dusty 
and there are cars and motorbikes going a lot of different directions. It's chaotic. You hear honking, people yelling, and then you see someone with a cart and an ox walking by. And I just was in the middle of all of that and thought to myself, I feel alive. That's what I felt. Because there's this energy, this chaos, but also this system that people make out of the traffic. Instead of following traffic rules like in Japan or North America, there's this kind of different system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is this system that it's hard to see if you're an outsider, but once you live there, you start to understand the unspoken rules and interaction and negotiation that happens on every um, level of society and it can be exhausting but it can also be exhilarating because you're not just going with the status quo and the flow and being passive you have to be an active participant in the traffic to survive so that's why I think my senses were very heightened and I felt very alive okay so Cambodia Phnom Penh is a very different context from North America, especially Vancouver, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, what brought you life or energy in Vancouver and what also was a struggle for you? Mm -hmm. So if you imagine when you first went to university, you're kind of a, a new adult on your own, all new friends, mm -hmm. what was your feeling? Right. So actually, if I can add one more thing about Cambodia before I move on to North America, another thing that helped me come alive was that the people there were extremely hospitable. And I lived with a Cambodian family, and they treated me like their own family member. And so that allowed for me to be a complete learner and to depend on them for my survival as an adult. And that actually gave me this freedom to explore the world in a new way. So I felt very comfortable being who I was and making friends and belonging to this family. So that's when I felt very alive by being a learner and and being immersed in this culture. Um, and then on to the next question in Vancouver. So that was the first time in my life where I had been um, in a relatively big city. Well, Vancouver is a big city with lots of different people from all over the world. So either they're studying abroad or they're just there for work, but there's also second, third generation immigrants. So it was a very diverse area to live in. The university I went to was not very diverse, um, but I met a lot of people, still met a lot of people from different countries. And I actually met other people like me who had grown up in different cultures. And that's when I realized that, oh, it's okay to feel like you don't belong. Because by then, I knew that just like I wasn't completely Japanese, I also wasn't American or Canadian. So you had permission to be different. And you found other people who were different in different ways. Yeah. And you could just embrace that and actually realize that that's part of who you are and it's a gift. Mm -hmm. 
And generally, I mean, everyone I encountered there were very nice and friendly and opening, uh, sorry, open and welcoming. But the people I felt the most comfortable with、um, were the people who had similar experiences. And I think it's simply because you get this sense of like, oh, you have more than one home, and we get it. Now I know you've mentioned before about when you went to university, you had a little bit low self-esteem compared to some of the really confident North American classmates.、Mm-hmm. Can you share about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So even before going to university, the one year I spent in the U.S., it was a shock that I had to put myself out there. And speak my mind in order to be accepted, and so being in university, which was a bigger school, I quickly realized that if I were to be a good student, I had to speak up and be known in my class. So it's a bit different from Japan because in Japan it's better to be quiet in class, right? Right. But but now. You were encouraged to speak up and have a, a unique opinion, right? And it's ironic because when I moved back to Japan at the age of twelve, that's who I was. I was able to speak up and ask questions because you had gone to an international school in Papua New Guinea, right? And I had successfully put that self away for a few years to survive in Japan. So back in university. It was difficult if it was a big lecture room, and if I were to ask a question, I think I would have felt shy. But thankfully, I chose a major where、uh, I was a linguistics major, and my class size was very small, maybe under fifteen people in each class. And the university was also very small, and so I got to know the faculty very well and my classmates. So that small size allowed me to feel confident to. Um, ask questions and say what I had to say, and I soon realized that my experience was an asset I could share as a Japanese person, and what、um, the unique aspects of the Japanese language were if we were talking about different languages around the world. And I also、um, had really good friends and a good community that spoke into me and helped me realize that. Who I was was enough, and I would say in about two or three years' time, I came to a place where I felt confident in my own skin, and I was naturally a person who would volunteer to be in leadership positions. But I started to be more confident being in front of more people as the years went on. So, what did you enjoy about North American culture? Yeah, as I mentioned before, I think the welcoming spirit. People、um, wanted to get to know me. There was this carefreeness, and this sense of yeah, just having fun. I think people are a lot better at having fun, <laughs> having a good time compared to Japan. And being in university, you have a lot of time, so you end up doing a lot of fun slash. <laughs> Random things that occupy your free time. Well, it is university. I think in Japan, people have a lot of fun in university right, too, right. right? 
but <laughs> you didn't get to experience that. <laughs> yes, that is true. But yeah, there's that kind of freedom to uh, explore and be loud, be yourself in North American culture, right? Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you would uh, see as negative in North American culture? Or not necessarily negative, but just something you're uncomfortable with or that you think could improve or change or be nuanced in a different way? Mm-hmm. So with that carefree spirit comes this uh, maybe lack of consideration at times or not seeing what other people are struggling with perhaps um, because everyone is so good at putting yourself out there. But um, yeah, it's, it's also easy to feel left behind if you don't fit in that or can't assert yourself in that and so sometimes I struggle with that not for myself but seeing other international students struggling with feeling left behind or not included um, so maybe more gentleness or curiosity or care for people that are different um, and including people so it sounds like Maybe North American culture could learn from Japanese culture regarding how to be more sensitive to other people's needs. Right. So being considerate is considered a very important thing in Japan. And sometimes it's not always articulated, um, but the, the sentiment is there. So once again, it's a nuanced culture. And in Canada, if you or in North America, if you don't ask for help, then you might be overlooked. So it's up to the individual to do that. And so sometimes I wished there was more sensitivity and more initiative for people who are more confident and feel like they belong to reach out to people who may feel too shy or too insecure to speak up or have their place at the table. Right, right. So what parts of those cultures do you carry in you now? So out of the three cultures I talked about, the ones that are strongest is definitely Japanese and North American culture. And is there one that's stronger than the other? So I think the longer I stay here, the longer I live in Japan, the more Japanese parts of me I discover, or the more part Japanese parts come alive. But when I travel to the US, or if I'm with North Americans, then the North American parts of me come alive. So it depends on the situation. But because I live in Japan, I definitely feel the Japanese part becoming stronger. But since I'm married to you and we have an English-based family culture, there is still that part of me that is alive within our home. I'm glad our marriage makes you feel alive. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's realizing that's something, you know, we continue to cultivate, right? Yeah, and as you've become a yoga teacher in the past years and built up your inner awareness and your confidence in many ways, I feel like that 
North American confident side of you has also come to life in different ways, but also you've appreciated many Japanese aspects of uh, diet and uh, but at the same time, North American ways of viewing things. So you've you've really mixed a lot of different ideas within your life. Yeah, I I feel like with um, yeah making choices, I I often research both cultural perspectives. So for example, I'm pregnant right now, and I've looked at both Japanese and North American websites for dietary. Um, advices or whatever other precautions or things that are out there in regards to pregnancy and that's been helpful and also you ask a lot of great questions about the Japanese culture so that helps me to always be thinking oh what are the things about those cultures that are part of me and how how is it being played out in our daily life yeah I think the more we have lived in different cultures the more we're able to ask questions and think critically about, oh, why do we do this in this culture? And is it more useful or less useful than this other culture's way of dealing with that issue or way of thinking about something, right? Mm-hmm. And also not just about usefulness, but realizing that like, oh, this is how I'm responding because I'm Japanese. This is how I'm responding because I had this experience in North America. So it's it's a way of understanding myself and being okay, even if it feels like it doesn't fit in the culture that I'm living in at that moment. So as you navigate different cultures, and basically on a daily basis, you're interacting with, of course, me, but also Japanese culture, Western culture, and other cultures, how do you manage to adjust constantly between cultures? <laughs> That's a great question. I've often thought of myself as a chameleon, and a lot of that adjustment... A, a, a chameleon is the yeah. animal that changes colors depending on the situation, right? Right, right. So some people might be surprised to see different parts of me, Um because a lot of that response comes quite naturally and me uh, without me thinking a lot about it. And one thing I do now as an adult living in Japan is simply to let people know of my background. And I go by Chami now for a lot of people. They're surprised when I introduce myself as Chami and that becomes an opportunity to simply share my background and by sharing that I've lived in a lot of different cultures, then I feel freer to be true to what I think should be said or decided in that moment. Um, and of course, I do it in a sensitive way. Um, but I also feel more free to be like, is this Japanese? Not is this Japanese or is this North American? But what feels true for me in this situation? So you don't just adjust to every culture and do whatever is proper in that culture. You take it into consideration and you try to accommodate and be sensitive and culturally relevant, but you're not put in a box by it. 
Right. And I think that's, that's been my, uh, my freedom this time around living uh, as a grown up person in Japan and feeling comfortable now after having spent years as a, an adolescent not feeling comfortable. Yeah, I can also really sense uh, the, the beautiful gift it is to be able to adjust to cultures and accommodate but also be free and be yourself and to say oh just because i'm in this country it doesn't mean i have to only be in this box right i can i can fit in at some time at some points but at other points i need to be myself and that self that i am being can actually be a gift for other people too yeah and i think how you live your life actually helps me to have courage to do that because i have seen you really respect japan um and also ask questions where when things don't make sense and encourage me to to speak up or to do the same and so i think in that way living with you in japan has helped me to find a healthy way of being in japan so What's something that you would like to leave with the listeners? Some kind of encouragement or inspiration about how to be culturally relevant or adjust to situations, but also how to be yourself? I think the most important gift to ourselves is to be able to see the little bits and pieces of your life or your experiences and realize how they have been hard at times but they've been a gift and once you're able to claim that as a gift you can see how it has impacted you and influenced you and so you feel more grateful and confident to be able to express that part of you in your daily life so it's reclaiming the different seasons of your life even if it may not have been in different Um, countries, everyone has gone through uh, a unique experience and I want that to be valued and honored in each person. Thank you for sharing those very wise words. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me share. All right. Well, it's been fun having you on and uh, we'll do it again. Sounds good. See you next time. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to help us spread this podcast to more people, you can write a review or leave a rating. And finally, if you are interested in using English to expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills, you can join a free trial class right here in Yokohama, Motomachi, or online. If that is something that interests you, you can click the link in the show notes or just visit us at bridgebeyondenglish.com. I'm your host, David Nagai. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.